Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Hello and welcome to the Heat Check. I'm Wes Goldberg. With me, as always, is Dave Ramil. How you doing, buddy? I am doing great. It's been a seems like it's been a long time since we've gone together to talk heat basketball, but uh, I'm glad we got a chance to do so today. Well, we gave them time. We gave them space. We gave them some room to grow, and that's exactly what they've done. They're what eight and two in the last ten games now. They're on a tied for third in the uh, Eastern Conference playoff standings with the Celtics, um, playing arguably their best basketball of the season. So maybe yeah. they're better off when we don't talk about them. I wouldn't go that far. I think we've always provided a, a much-needed boost, not just for the team, but for the fans themselves. That's true, with all of our negativity and, and roller coaster emotions that we have on the heat check. <laughs> yeah, that's the, they're their third. Well, they're tied for the best record overall in the NBA during that 10-game span. I mean, right up there with the Spurs and Warriors. Who would have thought that this Miami team, missing their best player, would be playing as good as they ever have? Well, let's talk about that. I like that segue. Uh, Chris Bosh, obviously out um, since the All-Star break. Blood clots is what is suspected. It hasn't been officially announced. Um, There's a couple different angles we could take on this. Uh, Number one being kind of that that elephant in the room that I guess people are talking about on Twitter. Are the Heat better off without Bosh, right? It's a small sample size, but are they better off without him? We can talk to that. But first, I kind of want to get to... This whole idea of him possibly retiring, and I know you've mentioned it on a podcast um, in the past, um, but he's 31 years old, right? And right. he's he's got a lot of different things going on in his life. This is the second time it's happened. Um, is this more of a possible... Should we give this more like real consideration, or should we just dismiss this? Well, I've maintained that from when I first heard about it during the All-Star break. When he first pulled out of the All-Star game, and it became pretty obvious within the first couple of days, in between, I guess, the actual All-Star game and when I think when the first report started coming out that he might be suffering from the same blood clot issue, I, I was pretty much convinced that this was the end of Chris Bosch's career. And I know a lot of Heat fans probably are unwilling to accept that, and I even wrote about it for Hardwood Paroxysm um, that I thought it was important to consider that, especially when you look at a guy like Chris Bosch and everything he's done and everything, as you mentioned, all the interest that he has outside of basketball. And if there's ever been a player who's very well suited for just moving on from the game, it's CB. Like The reason he came back last year was because he loved it so much and he loved the camaraderie and, and the friendships that he's maintained throughout the years and all that stuff. But as far as the... Not to say that he's not competitive, but I just don't think he burns with the same competitive rage that, say, like a Kobe Bryant does, or even a LeBron or a Dwayne Wade, etc. I think this is a guy who's perfectly capable of moving on and, and taking numerous world tours 
if his health allows it along with his wife and his kids because he really does love spending time with them and that's great and as far as I'm concerned I think that's what makes him such a likable player and such a likable person more than anything else so if fans haven't come to you know accept that that's a possibility they probably should now having said that of course I would love to see him play out there he's a great player he's a phenomenal person and you know he adds a, a, an incredible dimension to whatever team he's with and he's he's always been able to do that. I know he's had his moments here and there with Miami, but he's he's been a part of that transition um, for the big three era, and he's always going to have a special place in everyone's heart, I think. And so um, he, he's a much-needed factor out there. Any other reports about him possibly or you know damaging whatever this team is trying to build now post-All-Star break are ludicrous as far as I'm concerned. But to, to your overall issue of to whether or not he should retire, I think it's certainly a possibility. I hope it's not the case, but I think it's certainly something to consider. Yeah, I think I I agree with everything you're saying, and I and who's that? The Calvin Johnson, right? The Lions wide receiver. He just retired. Right. right. And he didn't have any blood clots and stuff. I mean, athletes retire early, like. And if anybody has a reason, it's Chris Bosh. Sure. Blood clots that are life threatening, not just hurt while playing. Not just this isn't Bill Walton, right? Like Bill Walton's foot just it hurt a lot while he was playing. He couldn't play. This is, he can't play because it's threatening his life. This is something that understandably probably should shorten a career. Um, and again, we're speculating because we don't know for sure that it's blood clots, but we know it's blood clots. And um, my other idea here is, that, and, I've, and I've seen it suggested on Twitter somewhere, and I can't, I can't remember who it is. So um, if you're listening, I'm not stealing your idea. I'm trying to give you credit, but I'm an idiot and don't remember who you are. But um, the idea that maybe Chris Bosh just doesn't play away games. Oh, yeah. I have seen that. It's a I very interesting that. idea. And I actually like it a lot because um, the main thing with Bosh right now is when we talk about outside of the number one priority being his health and his well-being, right? You're talking about how does that impact the heat? Obviously, you're losing probably your best player in Chris Bosh. Um, so that hurts. But the other the other thing that really hurts if he were to hypothetically retire is that his salary doesn't come off the books next year, and that's a big salary. He's the, the Heat's highest paid player uh, right now, so that won't come off the books next year um, because Wait, it doesn't he, come off for a full calendar year. He, okay, even if he does retire, it will still be a year before it comes off the books. Is that exactly. what you're saying? Wow. Okay, I did not know that. I thought it was something. I thought because. Insurance paid the bulk of it. I, I, that's, that was my understanding, and I might be completely wrong about that, but I thought insurance would want to pay the bulk of it so that it didn't necessarily reflect as far as a salary cap hit. I, so my understanding is that it does impact the cap, and multiple okay. reporters have reported that. Maybe insurance pays it for the heat so that McGarrison isn't pay, actually paying it, but it, right. still hit, it still affects the cap. Right. It's not like you could just waive Chris Bosch's salary and bring in a guy like Durant or some other well, high-price free agent. Or so there's like two options, right? Well, really, one option to get to get that salary off the books, he would have to accept a buyout. Wow. So that is, I think that's possible. I'm not exactly sure the 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 mechanics of that and how okay. much that impacts the cap, if at all, or or what's really what really happens with, with the timing of that. But if he were to accept a buyout, he would still make the money. He just wouldn't be part of the team, obviously. But if he were to retire. I don't know if they're allowed to do that. So that's just something I'm floating out there. Okay. The, the second option is you could go into 
semi-retirement where you do only play home games because the whole idea with the blood clots right is that and and is that it, it happens when he's flying right that's when he's getting the it's acting up and that's that's the threat it, it exacerbates the situation exactly like his, his his blood or circulatory system for whatever reason is prone to clotting or and, and that's why it's exacerbated when he travels because of the constant travel and, and it doesn't probably doesn't help that he travels as much as he does in the off season either not that anybody's going to tell him how to live his life or how to that's spend time point. with his family but yeah i mean he, he does a lot of traveling yeah. in season and out season so yeah and even if you were to keep flying out of season that's a lot less flying than he's doing in season i mean these people fly so often sure i can never be an nba player that's way too much flying um i hate flying so i agree with you it's crazy i'd be, I'd be like john madden the, you know the great going... planes and all that the, the plenty of leg room and stuff but still that's too much yeah i, I just take a bus everywhere I, I you know i don't see why not it's john madden style um, um yeah exactly um it, it's not gonna work right i mean it's not it's not feasible from many different well, perspectives it, as far as sitting it out it might be miami's best case scenario though so let's say like chris bosh says like look i want to retire but i don't want to retire i'm split i'll play home games the doc that's what the doctor ordered right like let's say a doctor really says you could play but you can't fly as much as you're flying i don't know i just think that there's there is a universe where that's possible where if if the option is between chris bosh playing or not playing there is that middle ground okay but as possible as it might be i i just okay you're you're discussing feasibility but my question is whether or not it's practical and i say absolutely not i think so much of what players thrive on is establishing some kind of a rhythm and it's not it's not getting on the bench and just getting a dmp you know from spolster or something like that it, you know you can't he changes the offense so completely how it's run what you do what you can and can't do that i just don't think you can have him for three games on here in miami and then miss him for seven games when you go on a road trip you know you ha handle teams in california and denver and utah etc or when you get in the, when you go on that six getting road trip out west you're going to be without chris bosh i mean all of a sudden players are being asked to step it up. And I understand that there's the mentality that what if he had been hurt and you kind of like, you know, put a, a blind, turn a blind eye to it or something like that. But it, it, it doesn't seem like it would make sense. I, I just can't see it from a practical perspective, whether or not it would, it, it makes any sense for them to, to just have him play during home games. It's not ideal, but sure. if it's, if the heat are saying, look, we have to pay this salary regardless, we're either going to get him for 41 games or we're not. Like, I feel like if you're paying $20 million already, you might just say, I'd rather get something other than nothing. Hmm. I agree with you. I don't think it's a good way to approach a basketball season, but I do think that it's not practical in that sense, but it's almost practical in a business sense. And it might be practical for Bosch, as opposed to just going cold turkey, not playing basketball anymore. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting possibility. It really is. Um, but we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. We I have mean, no idea. This is all speculation. We don't know we, anything on this podcast ever. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, we hope that people. I mean, we hope that people uh, understand that we don't know anything. No, I was going to say we hope that he'll come back. I think that's still always a possibility, right? I mean, right. he's kind of teased at it, and I guess that's what the, the hope is. And, and you know, hope remains ever present as far as a Heat fan is concerned. But I, I just, we just don't know anything for certain. The team has been pretty hush hush about it. Uh, they've, they've denied some reports that they're. 
they were kind of forcing him into retirement. They've said that's not the case. So um, you know, he's working out and he clearly wants to play. So we'll see if that translates into actual activity throughout the course of the regular season and maybe in the playoffs. Can I do something really blowhardy and, and sports-centery to you? Absolutely. Percent chances that Bosch plays another game with the Heat. If I had to say percent chance that he'll play another game, he's never going to play anywhere else if not for Miami. So that's, um, I'd say right now I would give a 20% chance that he'll play again for Miami. Wow, that low. You think he's retiring? <clears throat> I mean, I think it, it's, I think it's probably, a, a, it would be nothing. I mean, you know, I don't want to say miraculous, but it would have to be something pretty drastic. I mean, he's working out, but. If he can work out with the team, you know, what's going to happen? What's going to be any different during this course of treatment? Like it took him, I know they found the blood clots last summer or last season at a point where they had developed or or it was a different stage in whatever progression they had made or anything like that. Um, And it kept him out throughout the rest of that season. There was no playoffs to speak of and he started working out during the offseason. But I mean, can he come back at this point? What's going to happen? Is he going to is he going to feel fine in April or May when the team might be already out of the playoffs by that point? Um, and then consider working out in the summer and then have it manifest again next season. I, I just don't see why. Either he's going to have a complete, you know, a, a complete regression and have a huge, you know, some some miracle or something like that happen where he's fully healthy. Or I don't see any reason why he bothers endangering his life again. Because the next time it happens, it might be a fatal situation. and we, right. I'm sure he doesn't want that, and I know we don't. So I don't see why he would put his life in his hands. And we don't know that much about the injury. I don't know what what does a second showing of a recurrence of this kind of thing ha- mean, you know, in, in medical terms. I have no idea. I was going to say 40%, and I thought I was going to be low. I thought I was going to be the shocking one, but you beat me. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, at 50-50 seems optimistic. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, and I wonder, and I mean, I, I don't, you know, clearly I don't have a, a finger on the pulse of Heat Nation, and I don't know whether or not they expect, oh, he'll be back in a couple weeks, or he'll be back towards the end of the season. I mean, uh, I really don't know. I mean, Tyler Johnson is, is apparently looking at April as far as a comeback is mm-hmm. concerned, so he might come back and play at this point, some point this season, but I don't know if that's realistic, and that's a different kind of injury altogether. It's not, it's a, a you know, shoulder surgery. It's not life-threatening. Well, one thing I'll say about Heat Nation in general is I think as far as trying to figure out if he's coming back, if he's not having this conversation, in general, I've seen that mostly fans really do care about him and want him to be okay. Sure. Right? And I I like that Heat fans have basically rallied around. I mean, Heat fans get a a bad rap at times. And they've really just – the ground is that they're standing on is we just want him to be healthy. Whatever he decides, we'll be happy for him. That's basically what I've been saying, at least on Twitter and Facebook. Right? I agree. Yeah. But, so. but having said that, apparently there are a few bad apples that believe that Miami is actually a better team without Chris Bosch. You're all over the segues today. I'm uh, nailing them, man. I <laughs> you should just host this thing. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. We talked you about it a little bit before about. we started recording officially, but my my whole thing is... If you just take where Amari Stoudemire is playing right now and put Chris Bosh in that in that position, Chris Bosh is just better than Amari. Stoudemire. He's a better version of Amari Stoudemire in the present, and that's your answer. 
you still have Bosch at the five. Luol Deng's still playing power the uh, stretch four. You know, Joe Johnson's still there at the three now. And everything's looking great. And if anything, you're better defensively. You have more stretchiness from your center position. Uh, it just, I don't know. I, I can't really give the idea that the Heat are better off without Bosch. I will say this, though. Not having Bosch forced them to make changes. Much sure. like when Bosch had the, uh, the abdominal strain in 2012 in the playoffs. He right. came back after the Heat went small. They decided, no, we're going to put Bosch at center now. Uh, there is there is some flavor of that to what's happening now. where And it's kind of interesting because they went big, and then they had to go back to playing small. Uh, this the, the whole roster kind of fluxed right, flexed right back to where it was in, as better as a small ball lineup. But... Uh, yeah, there's there's some of that happening right now. Um, I would say, I would say that if anything, and I agree 100. percent I don't think anybody could debate that at this point in their respective careers that Chris Bosh is arguably, I mean, not arguably, that is definitely a much better player than Amar Stoudemire. The question then, I think, if anybody, if you're going to lend any kind of credence whatsoever to the idea that the team is better off, I guess it would be because the team has been so much more active offensively as mm-hmm. far as the ball distribution is concerned that maybe having a player of Chris Bosch's caliber would slow that down a little bit, that he'd hold the ball a little bit much, and that maybe he would be looking to create more of a shot than Amara. I, mean, I don't know how many touches a game Amara gets, but it would be drastically less than what you're experiencing with Chris, what you would experience with Chris Bosch in, in the center position. I mean, Amara would lose his job altogether mm-hmm. um, because I think – you would probably bench him, and then if Chris Bosh came back at full strength and he starts, he would come in and, and start. And then right. Amari Amar becomes the uh, Bosh insurance policy. Basically. Um, well, there, there's that, right? There's just the idea that there there's one basketball and there's less players that need the basketball now. Because like you said, Amari is not necessarily a guy that needs the ball. Not um, anymore. He's not necessarily his most effective when he has the ball. Correct. Uh, it's the same argument that we've had um about the idea of Gerald Green replacing Luol Deng in the starting lineup. And this is way earlier in the season because of what he provides as a three-point shooter. And my argument against that was, now you have five players in the starting lineup that need the ball to be at their most effective. And what was great about Luol Deng, even though at small forward, he's by far the Miami Heat's weakest starting player, he's also necessary because he doesn't need the ball to make an impact. You're having that now with Stoudemire. So now in that starting lineup, you have Joe Johnson, who is a happy camper as the third wheel. Um, and then you have Dragic and Wade being able to just kind of do their own thing. Um, it's interesting. Dragic's usage rating has been higher since the All-Star break, but Wade's hasn't changed. So obviously Chris Bosh not being there. Also um, Luol Deng and Justice Winslow are averaging more points and more shots per game. So there is that there. It's def- there. Tide, the tide has r- risen, so to speak. But I wouldn't hold that against Bosch specifically, because I think even if Wade was out, or even if Dragic was out, all those players, their stats would increase just because there's one less player that needs the ball. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, it's an in- interesting argument. And I, I mean, I, I understand why people write these things, because I think that's just typically how it works in sports. So a major player goes down. I mean, look, it happened in Los Angeles when Blake Griffin got hurt, um, when the Clippers went on a bit of a run and they were playing a different kind of ball. I mean, it's just you, you tend to forget, one, that um, the athletes that are in the NBA are all capable of excelling. 
the reality is that they don't get the right fit or they don't get the right amount of touches or anything like that. But every player in the NBA is a very capable scorer. No matter how much we want to rag on the 12th man of every team, chances are, given the right number of opportunities, they probably find a way to excel. So, you, you know, when a player goes down like Chris Bosch or Blake Griffin in L.A., you're going to get some quality replacement in there. And, you know, and it's, it's worked in the short term. In the long term, clearly Miami is a better team with Chris Bosch at center. I do think that the difference there is a difference between Bosch and Griffin, though, because when Griffin's playing, what the Clippers do fundamentally changes. And I think if you in, if you just swap Bosch for Stoudemire, I don't think what the Heat do fundamentally changes. But that's a very different conversation. You mean as far as their commitment to defense, it's better. Well, and just the way that they move or the ball, the system, the positions. You know, like if you you plug uh, Blake Griffin in back at his power forward position in L.A. Now you're mm-hmm. taking, I think, who do they have starting? Wesley Johnson at, or Jeff Green at the four now? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of a small forward playing the four, so you're losing some, maybe some ball handling, some some athleticism there. I mean, Blake Griffin's extremely athletic, but it's a different kind. Um, sure. But if you you move Bosch where Stoudemire is, fundamentally they're the same player, right? Just Bosch is a better version of that right now. How impressive have you been with Stoudemire's quote-unquote resurgence, I guess? I've been very impressed. Uh, he's he's doing the things that the Heat needed to do. He passes the ball. He he shoots just well enough still that people respect him from the mid range, and he sets great screens. And I think he's just a great veteran presence in the starting unit. I love it, and I love Whiteside coming off the bench. I absolutely I love it, and I don't want it to change. Yeah, I, I, I would max out. I would max out Whiteside if he kept, if he if he comes off the bench like this. I think it's worth it. I think he has more value coming off the bench. That is certainly that certainly seems to be the case. I mean, the yeah. team is thriving, and and he seems content. I, I mean, I think we've seen a lot less. I mean, the issue of Whiteside's personality is such a, a huge lingering question mark because you never know if something's going to set him off. But he seems to be a much better, I guess, more solid player person mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, following the one game suspension after the All Star break. Um, and he seems to be much more committed and accepting of his role. Uh, if he's willing to take the bench role, I mean, I, I, you know, it's so hard to tell exactly what what drives some of these players because there are guys like you know, Jamal Crawford that have been coming off their bench for years now and have thrived in that position, um, and they seem perfectly content. But I don't know if a guy like Whiteside is along those same he had those wired or something. Recently, about his free agency, saying he doesn't really care about the money. Um, sure. You know, he's like, yeah, I make. He makes almost a million dollars, but not quite. He makes like nine hundred seventy-four thousand dollars. I want to say off the top of my head. Right. He's talking about he's got a nice house, he's got a nice car, he's living fine. I, I think that's going to change once he gets a taste of how much more money there is. Of, of <laughs> I course. I think when you get nineteen million dollars more a year, I think his perspective is going to change on that. But. I mean, it's, it's ludicrous to think otherwise. He gets dissected for everything he says or yeah. doesn't say. So, I mean, what's he going to say? Oh, hell yeah, I'm looking to cash in this summer. I'm going to get me 23 mil, bitches. I mean... <laughs> but I do think I do think that the underlying idea there was um, that he he wants to win, right? He's not going to take another million-dollar contract, but he's going to probably seek to get paid. But I think if it's between him going to, like, Brooklyn at $23 million a year or whatever the max is going to be, Versus right. Miami at like eighteen to twenty million a year, you know. Maybe I, I'm not. I don't know him. I don't. I have no idea. But his comments reflect that possibly he will take that pay cut just that's to stay optimistic. in Miami. Right. That's really optimistic, and I think that's 
completely misplaced. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I don't mean to cut you down there. It's just, I mean, look, you know, we, we all put these players in like this weird place where we all think that they would take less money and stuff like that. But this is a guy, guy who's made a decent amount of money, relatively speaking. You know, he's he, like you said, nearly a million dollars. That's great money. It's more than we make currently, I think. I don't know how much you're making in your current position, but I'm going to go on a limb and say it's not 900 and something thousand dollars. No, not quite. Almost. All right. Good for you. You need, you uh, need more page hits at allyoucaneat.com. <laughs> Keep clicking on that link. If you rate us a five or higher, I think. I got I to do more slideshows. In any case, um, <laughs> no I, I think, yeah, a guy like Whiteside who hasn't had the opportunity to quote unquote cash in yet has to go and seek the bigger, better deal. I mean, you know, look, I think a team like Charlotte, I think you and I have talked about this before. I've written about it before. You know, Charlotte makes sense. It's near his hometown. They're going to have a glaring hole there with Al Jefferson probably moving on, or at least a team choosing to move on from Al Jefferson. They're going to try to resign Batum, and they've got money committed elsewhere. But, you know, they can lure a guy like Whiteside to come back there and and start over Kaminsky. That's a, you know, that's a playoff contending team, in my opinion. So, um you know, I think that makes great a great amount of sense for him as a person and as a player. But you know, I, I think it's crazy for us to think, oh, I'm just going to give up on five million dollars. I, I, look, you wrote about it, and we're you know, in context of in context of Chris Bosh's potential retirement, you talked about or wrote about rather Joe Johnson choosing quality of life over you know choosing to play for Cleveland or Oklahoma City or something like that. And I know a lot of people do, you know decried his decision to come to, to Miami. But you know what? He was just more comfortable here. Right. Well, and, I, I mean, that, that, a that should play a part. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe you're right. I believe he DJ Khaled lives in Miami. He's good friends with him. Yes. I think there's, I think that really does. I'm, and I'm not joking. I'm kind of joking, but also kind of, kind of not but I understand. Sure. Yeah. You want to live, you want to live where your friends are. You want to live right. in a place, you know, you know, your favorite restaurants, you know, what, you know, where to make a left so you get to the arena on time and shit like that. And I here, mean, it makes absolutely sense. And here's my other thing is that, when we talk about Whiteside's free agency, we always say somebody's going to pay him. I keep trying to think who's going to pay him. Charlotte seems to be on to something here with Kaminsky um, as their center. I mean, they, they they gave up or they refused four first-round picks to pick Kaminsky. And then you're going to sign Whiteside to start over him? I'm not sure. And then you have... And they also have to deal with Nick Batum being a free agent. They have to. That's going to be their first priority, right? You'd have to think. Sure. Then you have the Brooklyn Nets. That was always a possibility. But now you have Sean Marks there, who everybody says is very good, very smart, very new age. Does he Did want you... a center that's not going to pass the ball? Have you heard his podcast with Wojnarowski? No. Is it good? Uh-huh. Very eye-opening. I mean, like I, I was listening to that, and I was driving back from a, a game in Orlando and I was so jazzed up like I wanted to pack up and move to Brooklyn just so I could work for the guy really the, oh yeah I was jazzed up I mean he, he really you know he's taken some of the elements of Riley some of the elements of Popovich and he's taken it and I think he's gonna I, if I wasn't if I wasn't convinced before I heard the podcast following that I, I have no doubt in my mind he's gonna turn that franchise around in five years I don't know I how but he's gonna do it yeah I was convinced. I was, I was fired Everybody up. Everybody stop listening to the heat check. Go check out the vertical with Woj. Yeah, don't do that. Not yet. They can hear it afterwards, man. That's true. You guys can. You guys. We got a few more minutes here. <laughs> Sit tight. Um, and then there's the Lakers, right? The Lakers are the obvious one. But Ooh. does Whiteside want to move out west to play with a, the Lakers? Like, I don't know. He's an East Coast guy. It's the Lakers. They're not good. 
I don't know. Is he an East Coast, West Coast rap kind of guy? I mean, is that still a thing? Is I don't that... know. He likes DJ Khaled. What does he do? I have no idea. He likes Future. <laughs> he was in a Future music video. That's right. That's right. Um, some interesting questions there. Some very interesting questions. So, you know, even with all this talk about who's going to pay him the most, I don't... If he's playing like this, I think the Heat are going to be there where they're paying him as much, if not a little bit more, or maybe a little bit less than anybody else. I just don't think that it's going to be necessarily something like, we'll give you $12 million, and, and Whiteside has to pick between $12 million with Miami or $22 million somewhere else. I don't think it's going to be that big of a difference. What about Houston? Can they commit? I mean, if Dwight hmm. leaves Rockets, I mean, can they replace him with you know somebody who plays a lot like him in that sense? I think they could, but then my, you know, the same concern there is it didn't work with Dwight Howard. Hmm. You know, are you really just going to do it again? Yeah. With somebody Dwight. even more mentally fragile than Howard? Ooh. Wow. Oh, burn. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a pretty bold statement, man. I don't know. I, like, I don't know. Like, perceived to be more sure. mentally mysterious than Dwight Howard. At least we know what Dwight Howard is. Mentally mysterious. Mentally yeah, that was mysterious. That's, that's a good way of summing up Whiteside. It's like, I mean, clearly it'll be a deciding factor now. I mean, Riley, I think to, I mean, if we look at his established pattern there, I don't think he's going to hold up signing a bigger name a la Kevin Durant mm. if he has that opportunity just to say, oh, no, I want to re-sign you know, Hassan Whiteside first. you know, And that's that might be just enough to tick off a guy who's as mentally mysterious or sensitive mm. as Whiteside is. I mean, if you if you put all your eggs in the KD basket and eventually he chooses, say, you know, Golden State or Washington or any other team, does Whiteside say, oh, you know, you didn't make me a first priority, so I'm kind of pissed off about that. There's I'm definitely a that risk. There is, right? I mean, I, I I think we talked to, or we heard about it over the summer when when I want to say Nikki Harrison called Dwayne Wade at like twelve oh one, the very second that you could call for free agents, mm-hmm. he was calling him. And then Riley was calling I forgot who another priority was at that point in time. He called another oh, I guess no. Was it Lou? I don't think I don't know. It, he was calling like they were they were calling different free agents at exactly the same time. And so you kind of wonder you know, who's a bigger priority? I mean, mm-hmm. it's an interesting question. Yeah, there's a few different scenarios. Then there's the, the idea that Kevin Durant just opts back in. Or mm. signs, a, I'm sorry, signs a one-year deal with, with Oakland, one Oklahoma one. City to make the most money possible next offseason. And then uh, if Bosch retires, then you have to look at Al Horford and say, well, do we want that kind of player still in Miami? Al Horford's the next best thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's funny how much buzz. Variables. Yeah, that that name generated a lot of buzz prior to the trade deadline, and now it's kind of like now there's this new resurgent version of the Heat, and I don't know. Maybe it's just because we're focusing on what we're what the team is doing right now instead of what's going to happen in the summer. But it seems like it's lost a little bit of the it's, it's luster. Also a new team, right? Like they got Joe Johnson. Um, it's just kind of a new team. There's like new stuff to talk about and think about. It's a very I, different team. And yeah, and, and I mean. I've got to be honest with you. I am a hundred percent surprised that Joe Johnson has been as effective as he has been. Why is that? I, I didn't think he was capable of having this kind of an immediate impact. I think it's surprising how immediate his impact has been. Absolutely. He mentioned but, that it was easy enough for him to pick up the pick up the offense, right? Because it's more of a read and react. Sure. And it's something I think you and I have always speculated about. Like, the Spolster really call plays. It doesn't seem like he calls plays. You never really see him calling plays. Right, right, um, right. 
I think but there's more of that clockmaker theory kind of thing where he just teaches the right things, that read and react stuff, and he just kind of lets it happen. Okay. Um, and I thought that was really interesting and enlightening for Joe Johnson to say that. Uh, I think we knew it, but for him to say, like, it's that easy to just come in and play, I wonder if there's something about that, just in general, with the Heat, that is attractive to people, saying, like, I don't have to come in and learn the triangle. I don't have to come in and try to figure out how to be a part of the Warriors. Like, I could just come in, play my role that I'm already expected to play, and it's easy enough for me to pick up. I think it's it speaks a lot to the kind of free agent acquisition Pat Riley wants to make. I mean, you, you, you know, you go after a long-established veteran, a person who can still contribute, a guy like Dang, who was, you know, fits pretty seamlessly into the offense, even a guy like Dragic, who, you know, had his ups and downs, but, but is still knowledgeable enough and versatile enough so that he can accept whatever's taking place here in Miami. Um, and, and, and as far as Joe Johnson's concerned, I, I was never wondered about the necessar- necessarily the immediacy of his impact. I think it really was just the level of impact. Like, I thought he would be a guy who come in, kind of space the floor a little bit, shoot a few threes, but, I mean, he's been a very effective passer. Um, his mid-range game has been great. He, he's shown a lot of uh, ability in the paint as well. I, I mean, a proficient rebounder. I mean, this is not the guy that they had in Brooklyn over the last year or so. I mean, this is a much better, much much better version of the player he was. There's no way around it. It's a, it's amazing what uh, having something to play for could do to a player. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's on, I mean the, the comfort he, level. There, well, I think there's a comfort level. He's also on an expiring contract, right? So there's that. Is he playing for another deal? I think, well, he is playing for another deal. He's not going to retire after this season. No, I know. But, I mean, is he playing, like, you make it sound like he's trying to put on a good show for the rest of the, rest of the year so that maybe he could sign another, you know, bigger free agent deal. And he's already talked about wanting to retire in Miami. So he, he likes his fit here. He I wants to stick around. I think there's something where he needs to play well to make sure that they, number one, resign him, and they resign him for $4 million a year as opposed to $2 million a year or something. I think there, there's got there's a little bit of that. I'm not saying that's his main motivation, but there's got to be something there, right? You're on an expiring contract. You have to play well. You can't just – he can't come out and be Gerald Green. No offense. Has that been has, no? Has that been a motivation for Luol Deng as well? You think? I think Luol Deng just wanted to play power forward. I love the comments where he's saying he's like, "I just see myself playing power forward for the rest of my career," and I'm like, "Go for it, man!" But like you never. don't really hear a lot of small forwards like embracing that stretch four role as much as he has. LeBron. <laughs> yeah, throwing shade at Le- throwing shade at LeBron now. Uh, but um, speaking of Luol Deng, uh, the way he's playing now. And as a stretch four, we kind of wrote him off, you know. He's an expiring deal at $10 million a year right now. He's not going to get paid that much. But I don't think he's going to get paid that much by anybody. I think him re-signing with the Heat is realistic. Would you re-sign, and we're assuming that Durant is not on the table. Would you re-sign, would you re-sign this current version of Dang? Um, to a couple years, I think that's fair. Yeah. Mid-level exception type money? Like six, I don't know what that's going to be this year with the cap. Like six, seven million. Ooh, that seems a little high. Well, what's what would you say he's worth in the current cap? I think I think if you look at the way he's playing right now, and again, I get that one. You know, you have to consider Kevin Durant being off the table. Yeah, Chris Bosh, assuming he's you know no longer with the team or with the team, that changes things considerably. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say two for ten. I think that that seems about right. That's that what I would say. Two years, ten million, so five million a year. I think so. So I guess the current in this cap. So I mean, 
you kind of take what you think about a player now, and if the cap is improving by, I think, 20 or 30% is what the cap is increasing by. So, yeah, that's you what you were saying. Salary that's... 20, 30%. That's like six, seven million. Yeah, six million a year, basically what you said before. But, I mean, that still seems a little. I guess you're right. I think I mean, we just have to adjust to what the new sure, salaries are going to sure. be. Sure. Mentally speaking, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, Tyler Johnson's probably going to get paid 10? Like, 10 million a year. <laughs> I have no idea. No, he's a, he's a restricted free agent, so I think that he'd have to like sign an offer sheet or something. Yeah, and he'll he'll come back for like a, another cheap deal, and then he enters his real free agency. But the um, same the same situation that manifested with Norris Cole a few years ago, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, but they can't exceed that, right? Can't, can't they offer him? Yeah, but I think the best more? thing that happened to the Heat was that Tyler Johnson got hurt. Oh, decrease his value yeah i don't know if a team's necessarily going to want to overpay for tyler johnson right and don't you have to give up a draft pick doesn't isn't that how that works you do that's yeah that's not uh that's not ideal right so i don't i think tyler johnson is back with the heat next year and it kind of gets me to this next subject this core you know Dragic, Dwayne wade tyler johnson from the sounds of it bino udry is going to resign in the summer right yeah um either way it doesn't really matter we haven't talked about that situation. Did you have any point on? We we never really well, mentioned it's it. It's illegal, no. right? If they said we're gonna, <laughs> Bino left ninety thousand dollars on the table in that buyout. Huh. He just gave. He's like, no, I don't need that. I don't believe that, right? Like, I mean, I believe it happened, but I don't believe he just did it out of goodwill for a team he just got traded to. Yeah, that's an interesting question, right? Because then it's like. You know, couple that in, in, in conjunction with, you know, the Joe Johnson situation. And you kind of get the feeling that, man, people really just love playing in Miami, don't they? I mean, yeah. something Pat Riley is selling something and the NBA players are buying it. I was because thinking they about really that earlier on, 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 I was driving today. Pat Riley leaving the Knicks to Miami. There was so much foresight. He had to know, right? Like, I knew there was other things going on in New York, but it's some... He had to know that he... Playing in having a franchise in Miami was going to be attractive to star players. Like he wouldn't have left New York for Minnesota. Okay, that's fair. You know what I mean? Um, But I don't know. We're getting off topic, though. No, no. I mean, it's it's no. It's it's an interesting supposition there. But I mean, can you know? L.A. doesn't have that same kind of appeal now, right? That's true. You know, I think so. Location isn't necessarily something. Anyway, but yeah, well, you have to establish the culture, and yeah, you have to make you have to you have to have a good location. Sure, that helps, yeah. but you also have to establish a, a culture that's capable of winning, and that's what more. I think that's what's more attractive than anything else. Yeah, I think the ownership situation and all of that. Um, sure, but I mean, Bino Udri, that whole situation where like the le- there there was that Brian Windhorst report that the rest of the league was like right. upset or peeved with the Heat for the whole thing, <laughs> um, which is great. That seems like something that only like Brian Windhorst would report. And I, I'm not trying to like, you know. No, nobody else would ask that question. Nobody else would think to look under that even rock. If they, Brian even if even if they knew it or they heard it from another executive, like even if they got like a text from like, you know, the Denver Nuggets executive, like, oh, can you believe this crap that Pat Riley's pulling again? Like, we know what's going on over there. Winky face emoji. Like, uh, other reporters would just be like. Totally, dude. And then just, like, drop it. But, like, Brian Windhorst went ahead and, like, wrote an 800-word story about it. He didn't even just tweet I, You it. see, I, I like, get the feeling... major clickbait I there. get the... I get the feeling he went and called 29... 
front offices and be like, hey, can you believe what Pat Riley, like the gossipy girl in high school or something like that. Yeah, he went locker to locker asking 29 <laughs> other front offices, going, can you believe what Pat Riley did? <laughs> the drama, you know? I, I can totally picture him, you know, kind of like yeah, playing with his hair as he says. Like, That's Yeah, it's kind of screwed up. And then he's like, breaking news. <laughs> yeah. That's from... Office <laughs> blast Riley. <laughs> yeah, that was a ridiculous report. But even so, it is kind of funky, right? Like that, you know, Udry reportedly left ninety thousand dollars on the table for no reason. Like he had to have a reason. And if the Heat re-signed Bino Udry, there's going to be questions. Not that it matters. Right. I'm sure there's more just... stuff happening. Sure. But it's it's interesting how you can kind of just play with the rules. Well, that's Andy Ellsberg for you. He's a freaking genius, is he not? Yeah, I think how that's did he? It it still amazes me that he figured out how to to clear Chris Anderson and Chalmers and Udry and that whole Brian Roberts, aka greatest point card of all time in Heat history, Brian Roberts. Um, the, everything to get under the cap and then sign Joe Johnson is insane. Right. And and put that's yourself in. And put yourself in position to possibly add like Marcus Thornton or something like that. Yeah, that would have worked out pretty well. It had Philadelphia picked up Pano, but yeah. Anyway, it's uh yeah, it's certain clearly a front office that knows what they're doing. They're willing to bend the rules, but not break them. Right. And uh and, and to use whatever is available, you know, mm-hmm. you you're always looking for an advantage. Every team does this. This is the whole thing. This is what what shoots holes in Win Horse Report, is that every team is looking for an advantage. Right. You know, whether it's a wink-wink, nudge-nudge kind of deal or if it's just, you know, shaking hands or making eye contact or, you know, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. One of the things, and I hate to go back to the, the Woj uh, podcast, but one of the things that Sean Mark specifically mentioned about his tenure in Miami was that Pat Riley specifically talked about, um, you know, his kids. Like he wanted to know his kids, Sean Marks' kids. Hmm. their names, their interest, and he would follow up on that. And that, that was something that Mark learned before he had ever migrated over to San Antonio and played for Pop, who apparently does very much the same thing. I've heard. Riley took such a vested interest in the players' personal lives that it made you want to play for a man like this. It made you want to be part of this organization. Wow. I just want to go play for Pat Riley right now. Exactly. You know, that's the whole thing. And and that's, you know, that's why he's developed his culture. And, and look, Joe Johnson even hinted at that, that in 15 years in the league, being with five different teams, he's learning things in Miami that he's never seen elsewhere. That's that's impossible. You, you right. can't wrap your mind around that and that he's still learning things from this front office, from this team and the way they're structured. And that's, that's just great. That speaks volumes of what kind of a team it is. Well, uh, before we wrap up here, are you in and out, in or out? on Miami's chances in the playoffs. That's currently, like, Bosch isn't returning. Maybe Tyler Johnson comes back. He still have to work his way back into the rotation, etc. There's a, there's a, basically an eight-man core here. Mm-hmm. Um, they're tied with the Celtics in the loss column for the third place in the East. They're going to be third or fourth, it looks like, in the playoffs. Do they stack up with the Raptors, the Cavs, even the Celtics to you? I I'm not sure. I'd be 100 percent honest with you. I, I know this is kind of the easy way out, but I have to see a larger sample size than what we're talking about post All Star break or even the eight games, seven games uh, that have included Joe Johnson. I'm not sure exactly how many games he's played for. Six or seven at this point. Um, could be eight. Could be nine. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it, 
There's just too many questions here. I mean, the the, the quality of the opponents, they, they took on a, a pretty weak Knicks team, a Chicago team that's been beat up, a Phoenix team that hasn't been competitive for a good long while, and, and Philadelphia twice in a row. And even Philadelphia challenged them. And I know they've done that with a number of teams, even Golden State. But, I mean, it, it's not a good look to be challenged. And clearly, Miami's better. The numbers back this up. They look better, too. So uh, there's evidence of this. But they have to face tougher competition and be able to prove, to me anyway, that they can continue to excel. And 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 once I see a larger sample size, I'll have a more definitive answer. If you're asking me to to go one way or the other specifically right now, I think they have a pretty good chance. Not necessarily make it to the NBA Finals kind of chance, but I could see them going fairly deep in the playoffs. Chris Bosh clearly would add something to that equation, and I think they would certainly be a Finals contender if Chris Bosh is added to the mix. The team, as it's currently constructed, they could advance past the second round. I could see them going to the, the finals against Cleveland. Yeah, I don't think they're as good as Cleveland, um, but I think they're certainly as good as, or could be as good by then as the Raptors or, or the Celtics. Uh, there's a few games on the schedule that I'm really looking forward to. Milwaukee, number one, tomorrow night. Uh, the Heat have had a lot of problems with Milwaukee um, these last couple of seasons, especially. Sure. Uh, the Raptors, obviously, this Saturday in Toronto. That's going to be a that, good one. Even that Chicago game. I mean, that's an interesting one because it's on, you know, it's the second game of a road trip. On They've Friday. had problems at Chicago. Yeah, on Friday. It's the first night of a back-to-back set. Mm-hmm. And then you have to go from Chicago to Toronto the next day. So, you yeah, know, historians are much harder than what their last few games have been. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, three I mean, straight that's, road games. It's a that's a defining moment for this team here. You know, is it is it you know has it just been a mirage over the last few games, or is this something clearly that they've you know are they going to be able to take what they've done over the last few games and continue to build on that? You know, the, during the big three era for them for this team, it was always about building towards the playoffs. Do they still have that kind of mentality and that ability? Is there a next level for them to go to, or perhaps just a a better version of what we're right now? Yeah. I wonder with this long break that they've had between games, you know, a two-day break basically, three-day, I'm trying to remember, um, if they've had a practice and Spo has tried to install something else, maybe add a little bit of Joe Johnson stuff, um, Joe Johnson, Ray Allen type stuff, you know, some of those, like, they had those couple plays that they used to run with Ray Allen, I wonder if they've tried to install that, um, I think the next level is incorporating Joe Johnson and more things of that nature as opposed to just letting him kind of just walk in and be a part of the party. Um, but yeah, I think these next two games, it's it's one of these moments now where these next three games, this could either be a setback for the Heat or this could be something that really boosts them and kind of propels them towards the playoffs. All right, well, I think that's yeah. as good a place as anywhere to end it. I agree. All right, so good stuff as always, David. Um you can catch the Heat Check at the HP Basketball Network on Blog Talk Radio. You can find this podcast and many other great podcasts, not the uh, Vertical Podcast, unfortunately. can't find that there. Um, but you can find a lot of great podcasts over there. Um, find us on SoundCloud, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. Rate us, review us, say nice things about us, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks, David. Take care, everybody.